Hey CBR listeners, just wanted to let you know that the GABF section on the website is up with content posted. You can go there and listen to all the content that we put up on the site. You can pick and choose, listen to only the things you want. And there's an additional podcast feed that you can subscribe to if you want to download all the shows quickly and easily. In the main show, we'll talk about why we did this, but I just wanted to put out an announcement letting you know that the content is up and ready to listen to. Hope you enjoy the show. Craft Beer Radio, episode 92, October 15th, 2007. Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewery industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I am Jeff Bear. This week, gold medals. We are drinking beers that just received gold medals at the Great American Beer Festival. 2007 Great American Beer Festival. And also listening to some of Jeff's stories from the Great American yes, Beer I, Festival. Yes, I just got back and uh, I got all kinds of things to talk about. So we're going to start off with the Pikeland Pills from Sly Fox Brewing Company here in Pennsylvania. This is a can that I had in the fridge. This can is uh, a little bit older, but it t- still tastes like what I tasted poured in the sample at the fest the other day. So I'm pretty confident that we're you doing it justice. So you know it still tastes like that? No, no, but I tasted it at the fest, at the Sly Fox booth, and it tasted like this can tastes like. How do you know? Because I had a whole case of it. Okay. <laughs> Because we haven't actually tasted it yet, you yes. see. It pours a, a cloudy yellow. It's it got some yeast uh, residue and stuff it's, in there. It's actually not yeast. I, this is the one thing about this beer. We're drinking it because it tastes the same. But we've talked about this before. This case came overcarbonated, slightly cloudy. And if you look on the head, you'll probably see little brown specks. I don't right. see any specks today. I saw some specks floating in there. Okay. But um, he thinks the brewer says he thinks it might have been an old case that I bought. He says the date is on the case, which I don't have anymore, so we can't check it out. Um, what are those specs? He didn't really say what the specs were. <laughs> <laughs> That's rat poo, Jeff. <laughs> but it still tastes this, relatively the same, so I still figured it was okay to drink tonight. Is it a grainy kind of citrusy uh, aroma? Yeah, this uh, Pilsner gives you a very citrusy flavor. Um, not as spicy as a lot of traditional... Um, Pilsners. So it's kind of interesting that this one won. If they were being sticklers to, to the kind of hopping it was supposed to have, you wouldn't think this would be the best one entered in the competition. There's a little bit of spiciness there, but there's some fruitiness that follows it up. So have you noticed, and maybe you can comment on this via the judging, does it seem to be that people are going a little bit off the BJCP guide in terms of how they're judging and they're sort of Well, they don't for... use the BJCP. There's a right. Brewers Association guide. Um, but they're relatively the same. There's a couple differences and things. But the judging isn't based on scoring. It's based on an elimination of sorts, where you eliminate the obvious ones of flaws and you move some on to the next round, and it's, it, you keep narrowing it down. So it's not like you score each one. So it's very... Um, you play towards the style, but you also play towards the the um, intangibles that makes it a great beer. So it's a little bit of a hybrid type judging, it sounds like. Not like I got the witness or anything, but that's, I interviewed a judge, which we'll be putting up on our content that um, about the process. Hmm. Yeah, there's a real kind of lemony or maybe like yuzu flavor. Okay. Um which is e it's, it's a sort of an Asian uh, citrus. Okay. Um, kind of a ca- cross between a lemon and a lime with a little bit of pith to it. There's a good amount of graininess in the texture. and Yeah, the texture has this grainy spiciness, like a um, hop spice zest to it mm-hmm. um, and the grainy flavor. And it gives you a nice flavor on the tongue kind of lingers a little bit and lets you, it lets you know you've been drinking this beer which is nice a lot of upfront carbonation there's definitely like you said the lingering citrusy it doesn't doesn't linger like a noble twang like a metallic thing it, it mm-hmm. lingers a citrusy and a little just a little bit pithy um but it's it's really drinkable and it's very uh very refreshing i like it all right, so let's talk a little bit about our fest coverage first. Let our listeners know what we're going to do. I have five and a half hours of coverage. Um, an hour and a half of that is the award ceremony. 
but there's a bunch of other things. What I'm going to do is going to be cut down, right? The awards ceremony. I already cut out, cut it down. Oh, really? Still an hour, still and, an hour and a half. Jeez. Yep. It was like two, so I saved a half an hour of dead air between awards out of there. What we're going to do is we're going to create a, a section on our website for GABF coverage. We're going to give it its own RSS feed, so you can use that to download the whole swath of shows to your iPod. But I wanted to give you the choice to choose what you wanted to listen to instead of throwing it all into one big long show. Mm-hmm. Because I have the award ceremony, I have interviews with brewers, I have the um, presentations from the like the food and beer booth. So we got some good ones there. You got to talk with Garrett Oliver and beer and cheese pairing, Sam Calagione and um, Marnie Ald, beer versus wine, and uh, we did uh, Lucy Saunders, who we had on the show uh, about uh, cooking beer and chocolate. Oh, beer and chocolate. We did a uh, gluten free beer and gluten free food. Uh, thing I recorded. So we've got a bunch of those you can pick and choose what you want to listen to. And um got interviews with Garrett Oliver, Jim Cook, Tommy Arthur. And so I got some good stuff. Yeah. All the stuff's going to be up on the GABF section of the website. How did they respond to the idea of Craft Beer Radio? The uh, brewers that I've met all week, it's unbelievable, Greg, how accessible they are. Mm-hmm. At the fest, they're walking around drinking beers, and they'll be happy to talk. At Falling Rock, we went one night. Jeremy Cohen from Hebrew was there. He's walking around pouring beers for people, and Rick had met him before. So he's like, hey, Jeremy, and I talked to him a little bit, and he's, we're just chatting about his beers, and he's coming back. to The beers are coming back into Pittsburgh. And it's not just because I'm media. I mean, anyone right. at the GABF, if you recognize a brewer and you walk up and talk to them, they just... They're just like you, you know. It's not like they're on any kind of pedestal. They're so yeah. Accessible. It's a celebration of their craft, and it's you know, I can I can see that. It, it, so that's was so cool. But yeah, they were all pretty, you know, into the craft radio. I was pretty psyched. I got to sit down and talk with Jim Cook. We talked about uh, the long shot competition, uh, this new glass here, and Sam Adams Utopias, the new version of Utopias and things like that. So mm-hmm. we got some good stuff there. What is it like a chocolate utopia? <laughs> no, no, it's it's a uh, it's a little it's a uh, it's a little bit drier than before, and mm. it in my it's much much better. Really? Before I said you know it's not worth the hundred hundred fifty bucks a bottle. Now it might be that's in the right context, right? Where you have fifteen friends and you want to split a one ounce thing for something a special occasion or something like that. Because Jim made the point in our interview that for one ounce you drink it at one ounce servings and the price points of five dollars a serving. That's not unreasonable. But you, you can't do that every day. You need to have an occasion yeah. for it. So, yeah. so and it is very good now. Very, very good. That is heady praise, though. That uh, it may be worth the hundred fifty or hundred dollars. Not every day, but right. for that special occasion. Like if I didn't have a, if I wasn't a home brewer and didn't have the baby barley wine, I might have some utopias to pass out. Maybe you know, we can give Sam Adams a call and have it featured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, there was someone posting on our message boards asking if we'd ever taste Utopias, mm. and I'm like, "Let me look at the budget and see right. if it's a if it's a smart way to spend our money." I mean, it would be hard to justify it buying one for a show. It'd be almost uh, he'd like to hear, it, but we'd have to get the you know almost like get the okay from our investors, you know, right. like from the people who donated. Do you want us to spend the money on the Utopias? Because it almost seems frivolous in some ways. Yeah, because we can spend it on on. Five beers of you know excellent quality, like five big bombers. Mm-hmm. We can spend that on, or or like even as much as twenty beers of some of smaller ones that we can get like a three sons or something. Yeah. So uh, we can always contact them. I mean, we have people like we have some people sending us beers. I don't know if they'll hand us Utopias though. We'll have to see. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the Sly Fox a bit more. About I get into my uh, Wednesday at the fest. Sly Fox here is just progressing nicely. It's a nice dry. It's a good drinker. Mm-hmm. It's a very good drinker. It really, that flavor, the kind of um, citrusy, like I said, the yuzu flavor, mm-hmm. yuzu, yuzu, however you want to pronounce it, it's really inviting. And uh, I like this beer a lot. This is this is something I'm going to look for some more for home use. The um, For the German Pilsner category, Victory Prima Pils came in second. So Pennsylvania almost like Stouts Pills should have entered yeah. and they might have got like the trifecta. But what is it about eastern central Pennsylvania that makes such great pilsners? I I mean I think there's German a, tradition there's a maybe German tradition. There's the water might I'm not sure what the water's like, but the I mean if the water is softer, that might help. Water's very hard around here, at least it is. Yeah. I don't know if over there there's maybe there's like one spring right in between <laughs> Victory and Sly Fox, which has really soft water or something silly like that. I mean 
but Prima Pills is is a fantastic beer. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Wednesday, got to the airport. Gary had already picked up the car, so I hopped in the car with Gary Frank, one of our great listeners, and we drove northward. So we went to Left Hand Brewing Company, and we, we sampled a couple beers there. And they had like nine beers I wanted to try, but you have to moderation, right? So I just had like a four-beer sampler. And uh, so they were all very good. I had the, uh, the uh, Left Hand Pilsner which I thought was very good. And it was, it was standing out of my memory for quite a while until I talked with one of the judges later that night, uh, later, a couple nights later, where we were talking about beers, and I'm like, that was really good, I enjoyed that, it's standing out. And he drank it, and he's like, it tastes like pennies. And I tried it out of the bottle, and it, it tastes wow. like pennies. So, wow. so the bottles that they entered for competition wasn't as good as the draft I had at the pub, unfortunately. That happens. Mm-hmm. That has been known to happen, certainly. Then we went to a little brewery called The Pump House. It's a little brew pub only had one beer there because of spacing right but we had a sandwich had their uh, harvest ipa that was decent went to oscar blues this is where things start to get in trouble go to oscar blues they had 1050 on tap <laughs> this winter when i had 1050 10 at mad max it was the best imperial style i've ever had I'm like how can i pass up 1050 i'm like have a little bit of 1050 well i figured the Glass would come in an eight or twelve ounce glass. They pour me a pint of ten fifty, ten point five percent alcohol by volume. Right, right. Be- near the, still near the beginning of my pub crawl of you know the northern regions of Denver. So I drank. I didn't finish it, but I drank you know most of it. And while it wasn't as good as the ten fifty they made in the winter time, it wasn't quite as thick and chewy. It was still pretty good. They are canning ten fifty now too, so you'll see it in cans here soon. Wow. They had a barrel-aged Gordon, and oak beers have to be really good for me to really like them. Hoppy oak beers, I almost never like. Gordon, the the, the way the oak accent of the beer was perfect. Wow. It was so good. It, it tasted like it just belonged. Well, let's have another beer, and we'll right. continue with the, with the journey. So our next beer, our next gold medal winner... Let's do... This one here. This is Lightning Kugel's Berry Vice, which I guess is uh, they win for fruited. Yeah, I believe uh, it was probably in the fruited category. So we did Lightning Kugel's last week for Oktoberfests, and we were kind of disappointed with the the body of that beer. Right. Well, you know, th- this leads to a macro muck. I don't have the information down here, but uh, Lightning Kugel's uh, is at least partially owned by Miller Miller Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. And Miller and Coors, Molson Coors, have decided to join forces to combat the big guy, in, at least in the American market, that would be Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch still, will still hold a commanding lead over both, the, over both their combined uh, forces in America, but not worldwide, where SAB Miller is the big shot. But they're only doing Coors Miller in America. Right. They're only joining forces for the American market. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, they're doing it to fight um, Budweiser right. and Heiser Bush. There's talk about you know the FTC might not allow it because of monopoly concerns. Uh, I, but, and the article I read said actually the craft brewers are probably going to keep that. And that will, that won't happen because craft brewers have you know a certain percentage at the market. And, right. and there's always that ability. It's it's less of a monopoly than your telephone service. You can't change your telephone right. provider. If you want to stay wired, right? But beer is so, not a utility either. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's interesting because um, they're still going to keep all their brands, so you're still going to have your Miller and your Coors. I mean, there's well, there's gotta, still going to be stratification along those lines with with with, with uh, people who go in to buy beer. Will it be? I mean, obviously, what they're trying to do also is cut costs, and by cutting costs, that means they're going to cut employees and probably cutting a manufacturing facility or two mm-hmm. uh, so they can brew their beer in less places and still have it penetrate the same and have the same market yep. forces. So, so essentially it's a cost-cutting maneuver. Yeah. And and to get a bigger, you know, bigger stats against Budweiser, but right. I don't really think it's going to change much. I don't think it's going to change the marketing we see. It's not going to change the beer that they taste. You know, um, There was an article in the uh, Pittsburgh Trib. I ha- honestly haven't read it yet. But 
apparently Scott Smith was urging the owners of Iron City Brewing to go craft. <laughs> so I need to read that. Um, but I just saw a blurb about it the other day because Pittsburgh Brewing was bought up by new owners. They changed it to Iron City Brewing. You would not believe the crowds in front of the Iron City booth really? at the Great American Beer Fest. Really? It wasn't like Russian River, but there was always a small cr- clump of people in front of the Iron City booth. I, it boggles my mind. It must be some kind of Pittsburgh steelworker kitsch, you know, about drinking Iron City beer or something like that nationwide. So you hear, hey, that's, that's that beer they have in, in Pittsburgh. Let's give that a shot. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, there weird. was great breweries like Rubicon in Sacramento that had nobody there. And there's a crowd of people in front of Pittsburgh Brewing or Iron City. It's going to be hard to stop calling it Pittsburgh Brewing. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, I, I want to check out that article. I'll, I'll link to it in the message boards or something about Scott urging the brewers to go craft. That's funny. This is Lina Kugel's Berry Vice. And really, all I'm, all I'm smelling is, is fruit right now. Yeah, it smells, uh, is that raspberries or strawberries? I think or? it's raspberries. Yeah. It doesn't smell quite as syrupy, sweet, strong raspberries as like Lindemann's does. Right, right. Also, doesn't have that acidic tang that Lindemann's has, does in the aroma. <laughs> it's a fruity beer. It is fruity. Is it? Would you say it's good? Is it? Does it go to syrupy or not? I'm not sure. It's like border. It's almost. It's it's straddling that line of, it, of too syrupy or not. I'm not sure what I, I would say. It probably gets a bit syrupy um, as as it lingers on the tongue a bit. I wonder what Heather would think of this. Well, she can't drink it until February, but I think she'd like it. She can have a little tiny sip. I mean, it's not going <laughs> to. Because if she likes it, then there's just something she can't have until right. February. Yeah, that's so true. That's might true. as well introduce it to her in February. That's true. So after Oscar Blues, we headed up to Fort Collins. Was it Fort Collins I went to next? I hope so. I think it was Fort Collins I went to next. So we started out going to um, New Belgium. And New Belgium is awesome, Greg. The brewery is beautiful. We walk, well, we walk into the, the tap room. I'm not sure if they had food there or not. We walk into the tap room. And um, GABF week. They give you four beer samplers for free, but they can't give you full beers. Something about right. the law in Denver. Every place is giving you free samplers, but the beers you would have to pay for if you were stupid enough to order a beer. Right. They had Lafley on tap. Free samplers of wow. Lafley, as wow. much as you wanted. Did you have a lot of Lafley? I had like three, four little samplers. They all had two other sour beers. They had Eric's Beer or something, I think it's called, and uh, Terroir. Which is terroir is that French term for the the gra- the the ambiance of where the grapes grow to make it that special grape. So they had another sour beer called uh, terroir, which was they were all very good. Eric's was the least tart of the three. Luffley is you know like a very yeah. red uh, malty beer, and terroir was a more of a lighter lambicky type of just sour beer. But they were all very good. When we uh, ordered the beers, this guy. Gives us the beers. He's describing each one. He's telling us what order to drink them in. I mean, he's like the perfect server. Yeah. So, so as he walked by a little bit later, we we caught him again, and uh, I tried to give him a tip. You know, just like you're so awesome here, take this. And he wouldn't take it. They're employee owned, so he wouldn't. You know, he's part. You know, mm-hmm. so he has that. But his name was Earl Gray. <laughs> <laughs> his parents didn't realize he was their name. They were naming him after a T either. Wow. But um. So we start talking to her a little bit more, and he's talking all about the brewery, and, and like they close the tap room at 6 o'clock, which is, I guess, what they normally do, but during GABF week, you think they'd stay open a little bit later. And he gave us a private tour of the entire brewery. It was wow. very cool. Their brew house... Get pictures? I uh, Yes, I have some pictures. I don't think I took as many as I should have, because I was too fascinated in the story, but uh, actually, you know what? I'll have Gary send me pictures, and we'll put those up in Flickr. Um, but yeah, we've got New Belgium Brewing Companies. Beautiful. From there, we went to Fort Collins Brewing. Had a couple beers there. And then went to o- Odell's. But at this point, I was like getting a little drunk. So I, we walked in Odell's, just took in the atmosphere. And you were driving too. So. Well, Gary was much better than I was. I was the rider. <laughs> Wednesday was the only day all week I got drunk. I didn't get drunk at any of the beer festival sessions. Hmm. Um, then after Fort Odell's, we went to Cooper Smith's to have some dinner, and I had another sampler. They had a green chili beer. 
Serrano's? Uh, it might have been. It won a medal. It won a silver for um, spiced beer category, I think. When I was drinking it, I'm like, well, that's decent, but I'm not loving it. But now that I think back, I mean, for a chili beer, with the right food pairing, it probably would have went really well. And it won a medal for it, so it was pretty cool. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember the other beers I had, but Rick Sellers told me I screwed up big time because they had a, a creek there. He says the creek was tremendous, but... Really? I didn't try it, and I was pretty good by then. That was the last stop of the night. We went back to the hotel, and I just cronked out. So that was my, uh, oh, you're done with the berry ice. I need to drink more, yeah. talk less. That was my Wednesday. Hmm. <laughs> That's a lot of berries. Yep. Let me do a real quick Thursday here, All right. up until the beer set fest. Thursday morning, we wake up, go to breakfast. We head down to Boulder, Colorado, because we were going to hook up with Rick Sellers at the Redstone Meadery Tour that he had arranged. Um, Redstone, we got there an hour early, so we went to Boulder Brewing Company, but they weren't open. They wouldn't let us in. So we went to Avery Brewing Company, which is probably a trade-up anyway. <laughs> Better place to spend an hour. Um, they had all kinds of crazy beers on tap for GABF Week. They had uh, Salvation. Dry hopped with um, like Zotz hops or something, or steering golden hops. It was over the top. It wasn't a balanced beer. It was kind of a hey, see what this tastes like. Yeah. But it, we know it's not going to win anything. It tasted. Did you ever take a hop pellet and put it in your mouth? I think you might have early on when we started home brewing. Wow. It tastes like a beer with a hop pellet in your mouth. <laughs> I mean, that's a little much. <laughs> yeah, a little much. <laughs> they had a barrel aged Reverend, which was okay. They had. Um, they had their beer called Karma. Well, they had Bad Karma, which they brewed with a, a wild yeast blend. This thing was very lamb, very tart, very lactic, sour as all hell. It was delicious. <laughs> um, what else did we try? Man, there's so many beers this week. I don't remember. For me, we went to the Redstone Meadery Tour. Meads are good, Greg. I haven't had the opportunity to try too many meads until then, and they're tasty. We went through all the different meads. They had a, a juniper berry mead that was neat. Um, they're most interesting regular mead was their Christmas one. It was a vanilla bean and cinnamon stick. Oh, mm. so good. Wow. And then we tried the two reserve meads. They have this little bottle of mead. I'm not sure how many ounces it was. $60. And it gave us a sample of it. Um, he only poured like a two-ounce sample for like four people to share. That's how much we had to right. split it. Stuff was so sweet. as this like dinner dessert type drink. But uh, the red raspberry one was, oh, it was so good. If I was uh, able to transport liquids home, I might have dropped sixty bucks on a bottle on that bottle. Wow. It was tasty. Wow, you weren't able to transport any liquids home at all. I didn't. I didn't check any luggage, so I mean, I I could have, but then there was also the logistics of keeping the liquid with me because at that point I wasn't sure how I was going to transfer my bags from Gary to Chris where I was sleeping. Right, right. So the rest of the nights, so I just I, I packed everything fit in my backpack. That's how lightly I packed for the trip. After the Redstone, we went to the Great Divide kickoff party. Lots of media there. Lots of brewers talked with some people from Victory and, and had all the Great Divide beers. Oh, that Fresh Hop's a delicious beer. That's probably my favorite Great Divide beer right now is the Fresh wow. Hop. I do. I'm a big fan of Great Divide stuff. That's for sure. So, yeah, I got to talk with some media and whatnot. Well, we haven't even touched the rest of these beers. Come well, well, now that's it. Uh, now we're going to the, the Thursday night session. So all now right. we can drink another beer. It only took me three minutes to cover Thursday, so no, we're no. not doing too bad. I just feel like, you know, I see all these beers in front of me. Mm-hmm. All these gold medal winners. I right. get anxious. Right. All right, so this is uh, Celis Grand Crew. Michigan Brewing Company. So this is a wit beer? No, this was um, Strong Belgian, I think Strong it won Belgian. under. Strong Belgian, okay. Hmm. Actually, I think... Nitwit, Nitwit. I think Nitwit won the gold... And was that from Bloom? No. Uh, the Sandlot won two gold medals. Um, Blue Moon won a gold medal. Uh, Anheuser-Busch won a medal for the Sorghum Free Beer. So, uh, some of the big brewers won in, in well, other Sorghum categories. Well, that Sorghum Free Beer is very good. Yeah. Right? I tried, uh, at the fest, I tried two other ones, and, and the Red Bridge is the best for Sorghum Free. This or, I'm sorry, not Sorghum Free. It was brewed with Sorghum. It's more or less gluten-free, right. but technically they can't call their beers gluten-free. This this smells a little oxidized. Is this old? It's a little bit older. I'm not getting oxidation, though. But yes, it is a little bit old. 
It was a little cardboardy, you know, a little, mm-hmm. f- little flat smelling. Yeah, it doesn't taste all that great. Rats. That's okay. We got other beers. The side from this fast one is a, is a sugary, uh, a, a very, um, hmm. Yeah, it's a smell that I'd associate with sugar water. So this beer has, um, it's like a strong Belgian white, so it's spice of coriander. Yeah. has a little bit of an alcoholic bite to it, just a hint. And, um... Ooh, yeah, there's a, actually there's more than just a hint there. I mean, I could really feel that okay. just evaporating off my tongue, like the, the whole thing. And there's, like I said, there, there's, a, there's a coriander bite, um... A lot of alcohol flavor. Um, there is, I think this because it's old. There's um, a bit of uh, just oxidation taste. A little bit of cardboardy. Yeah, I only have flavor. two. I had a case of this stuff, and I only have two bottles left. Yeah. And uh, I knew it was past its life, but since it won a gold medal, I figured we tried to sneak it in. And we keep in mind that. Uh, they won gold. These companies won gold medals for these beers, not not necessarily these batches we're tasting. Right. Yeah, we should note we're drinking all the beers tonight out of the Sam Adams Boston Lager glass. That's the one that's scientifically designed to improve the flavor right. of beer. And How uh, is it designed? Well, listen to Jeff's show. Yes, I talked with Jim Cook, and we have the interview up. And part one of our topics of conversation is this glass. So he talks about the details they went into to design the glass. It's pretty interesting stuff. So, after we left Great Divide, went to the uh, Beer Fest. Man, Greg, the first time you walk through those doors and see the Great American Beer Festival, you're like a kid on Christmas morning <laughs> in like the biggest Toys R Us you could imagine. Right. It is insane. I think this year they had they had more than 400 breweries. I can't exactly recall if it's like 420 or 470, but somewhere around there, they were pouring over 1,800 beers. In wow. one place. They have the Guinness World Record for most beers on tap at one place. Um, as soon as you go in, there's already lines at New Galeris, Russian River, Port Brewing Company, right. Lo- the Lost Abbey. There's already lines in front of those booths. Uh, so first thing I did was I got in line for New Galeris because I know they run out of their Belgian red and raspberry tart quickly. And I just wanted to try them because I haven't had them in a couple of years. And, um, man, they're as good as I remember. They're... Mm-hmm. Best fruit beers ever. I mean, I'm not sure why they, you know, didn't beat the London Kugel's Berry Weiss, but maybe because they're sour or wild, you know, have wild yeast in them or something. I'm not sure, but man, they're so good. Um, and what can I say? There's just tons and tons of breweries. You How long around? was the wait on, on one of those booths? Booth wait. Um, Russian River probably had the longest booth wait. You might be standing in line for six minutes, seven minutes. Oh, okay, like so it's not like it's not like a ride at Disneyland or something. No, I mean, you're... no, but you only get an ounce sample. So you're spending seven minutes to get a little one ounce sample. That you drink in thirty seconds, even right. if you're savoring it. Right. And then say you want to go through the whole lineup at Russian River. It's going to take you, you know, forty minutes to get through the whole lineup at Russian River. It's probably better for you. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But, you know, there's other booths that have very good beers that have no lines. Right. Most of the booths, you can walk right up and get the great world-class medal-winning beers. It's just those rock star booths. Right. There's there's always a line in front of Dogfish Head. Dogfish was crazy. They, were pour, they didn't pour a beer under 10%. <laughs> Everything they were pouring was between 10 and 20%. What, they put Worldwide Stout? Worldwide Stout, 120, Burton Baton. Uh, they had a couple of the, I think they might have had red and white on or black and blue, one of those. They had uh, Chateau Jaihu. They had, they just had all their, they only brought big beers to the festival. They weren't pouring, like, you know, when you go to a dogfish festival around here, you get 60 it's Minute, you get Raison d'Etre, uh, Shelter, Indian Brown Ale, yeah. They didn't bring those ones to the Great American Beer Fest. They brought the rock and roll beers. Um, but, you know, there's places like Walking Man Brewery, almost no line. You know, these places like, so I kind of focused on places I can't get here. Like they had Bell's Batch 8000 on, which won a bronze medal, but I didn't do anything at Bell's. Um, so that's the kind of thing. There's all, you got to go like, oh, they're arranged by region. So that makes it easy for yeah. you to find places you can't get at home. Because you walk out the Pacific Northwest and you just, you avoid Rogue, you avoid, you know, a couple of the other bigger breweries. But 
you walk through and you can do all the organ breweries in one little swath right there. I would have run right to Lost Abbey. I mean, the first thing I would have wanted just to be like, I got to start myself right. off with some of the best beer I've had well, this year. Lost Abbey was pouring um, five beers. Three of them were sour. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, Russian River had two sour beers, including their beatification, which was their spontaneously fermented beer. Mm. Um, Nodding Head from Philly had their Ich bin ein Berliner Weiss. Oh, man. What deliciously lactic dark. I mean, oh. Wow. There was, Rick made this comment on a, on a blog today where um, he couldn't believe how many sour beers there were in America and how good they were. And, yeah, I mean, you know, I had mentioned, like, when someone asked us what the next big wave of, um, next big thing, bandwagon thing in craft brewing is the sour beers, it's definitely taken hold. There's, there's a bunch. Well, that's both good and bad. Because good, more sour beers available. Bad, not every sour beer is going to be awesome. Right. I mean, I haven't tried a crap. Well, I don't think I've tried a crappy sour beer, like a sour beer that I really just did not like. The um, yeah. I mean, you would figure if I spontaneously fermented a beer, it would taste like feet. You know. Right. Yeah. But I've never really had one. You know, that's been brought to market or. Brought to you know a sample glass or anything like that that has been horrible. I'd love to try the Tom Baker's New Jersey spontaneously fermented beer that's <laughs> aging in yards as cellar right now. That could that could be pretty gross. Yeah, but it could be wonderfully delicious too. Who knows? I mean, just because just because it's New Jersey doesn't necessarily mean the yeast is going to make it bad. Yeah, the yeast might be great. I don't know. I've never tried New Jersey sourdough. So right. <laughs> Oh, what else is going to talk? You know, Chris Trogner was there, so I got to talk. You know, I got to meet some old friends type people that I've known, too. And, and putting faces to names was great, too. Was Scott I, there? No, Easton wasn't there. So I got to meet a lot of brewers and beer people that I've emailed before, but never seen and met in person. So it was pretty cool. Um, Man, just... Oh, I hope you can go next year. Hope, And I hope I can go next year. Yeah. Hopefully the baby's low enough maintenance that I can get away for three days. <laughs> I'm hoping. It might be tough. <laughs> It'll be eight months old. It might, well, at that point, yeah. well, it'll be managed more manageable. My, mo- my mom lives a mile and a half, yeah, less than two miles that's away. That's true. That's true. So. It'll, be, it'll be a little bit more manageable. I think, I think you might be able to do it. So I'm hoping. I'm, gonna, I'm putting it on my calendar for next year, though. So, yeah, we'll, we'll tag team it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I can't really... I can just go on and on about things at the fest, right. but it's just like booth after booth of wonderful, wonderful stuff. You know, it's but like we talked about how accessible the, you go to the you go to the Brooklyn booth. There's Garrett Oliver behind it pouring beers for you, but then you go to like the Great Lakes booth, and there's not a person from Great Lakes there. They're all actually the one night there was two people from Cleveland, but at the times I went, there were just people from Denver volunteering. And mm-hmm. That's the most disappointing thing when you go to a booth, you want to talk to someone, and people don't know anything about the beers because they're just volunteers from Denver. What about like the Anheuser Busch booth or something like that? I mean, it was a uh, booth there. Right? It wasn't as big and grand as I pictured the Anheuser Busch booth being, but it was the biggest booth at the fest, um, and a lot more crowded than the uh, Coors and Miller booths. Interesting. Uh, Miller well, actually had two have... booths. Miller had their Miller booth and then their Miller Chill booth. <laughs> Miller so they had a whole chill. end cap dedicated to Miller Chill. The <laughs> most of the people there are are craft beer fans, right? I mean, for the most part. Well, I don't know that's necessarily mm, true. Depends on which session you go to. Thursday night session, there was a lot of beer people there. I didn't go to the Friday session. I'm assuming that that was kind of more of a frat party. The Saturday afternoon session is where you had to have an AHA membership or buy an AHA membership, and it, so it cost more. And it was quieter than the Thursday session. It was uh, more polite in general. People knew what they were doing. It was a very enjoyable session. And I think I might have had a little bit smaller attendance, so there was a little bit more elbow room. But you wouldn't believe that when you're in this hall, you wouldn't believe that there's 14,000 people in this hall. Because, I mean, it's not it's not shoulder to shoulder. I mean, there's plenty of room to get around and get the booze and whatnot. I mean, if we would have split up, would we have ever been able to find each other? The uh, Thursday session, I did not see Gary. I did not see Rick Sellers. I did not see the three guys that I, you know, was staying at their house. <laughs> I didn't see any of them on the Thursday afternoon session. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how big it is. Yeah. We have to have, we have, to have like, some sort of... Well, I have to have gaydar so I can find you. <laughs> <laughs> well, cell phones work pretty good, Greg. That's true. 
Um, yeah, they, they needed to work inside the convention center yeah. or wherever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you like tried to call me, it was a little too loud to hear. Yeah, I called Jeff on. Uh, I think it was, it was Saturday, the end of the right? Saturday se- yeah. afternoon session. It was very loud. It was very loud. I mm-hmm. wanted to see how it was doing because I was. I was thinking, man, I wish I was there. The Saturday night session is a freaking joke. There's good and bads though. The there, but the bads are can be goods too. The first bad is hardly anyone knows anything about beer at that session. Huh. It's just a big par- drunk party, bunch free beer samples. So that means that there's it's the only time all weekend where there's not a line in front of Port Brewing, Lost Abbey, Russian River, New Glarus. Right, but this is all all their stuff kicked. Right? But but not all their stuff. I mean, those three breweries still had a lot of stuff, but there are a lot of beers at the festival that are kicked by Saturday night. Right. So it's a bad, good, bad. I, actually, that's where I got a lot of uh, good interviews and stuff from. Um, most of the brewers are well. That's another thing. A lot of the brewers and brewery the brewery people that work there, they're out partying because they've won medals or whatnot. Right. So now it's all volunteers that don't know anything about the beers. So that's another bad point. But you know, Garrett, I, when I interview Garrett, he's like, I make a point to stick around for forty five minutes an hour. I, I you know, it, you, the the customers deserve it. You know, because there will be some real beer people that come right. Saturday night. All right. So next, um, should we go for the Doppelbach? Mm-hmm. All right, so this is Trogue's Troganator Doppelbach. Yeah, I was excited when these Pennsylvania breweries won these gold medals. Sly Fox, Victory, Trogues, all won gold medals. It, I really got into the award ceremony, you know? You're rooting for certain breweries, yeah. and like, you know, when Edmund Fitzgerald won a silver, I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, because that's a great Pilsner. The, um, Edmund Fitzgerald is a porter. Yes, that's. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> That's what my list. They changed the recipe a lot. That's what my brain intended to say, <laughs> but my lips said something different. Um, the one that beat Edmund Fitzgerald, we actually had on the show, and I don't remember what it tasted like. What was it? The Point Reyes Porter. Not ringing a bell. We did it. Not terrible. I think it was the porter we did from Point Reyes. I'm pretty sure it was. We have to do a search on our convenient website search box. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta log in to see that, by the way, which I should change, or did I change it? I might have already changed it. You might have already changed it. So the Troganator is from Trogs Brewing Company, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, owned by the Trogner brothers, Chris and John, and uh, it's a it's German style Doppelbach, and it's good enough to win the gold medal. Doppelbach is a strong multi lager, double a Bach beer. Very, very malty aroma. It looks like a, 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 tan, a dark tan, sort of a burnt sienna color. There's my, mm-hmm. my Crayola education is coming in handy. And about a finger's worth of head. Oh, that's tasty. That is tasty. A little bit of the malt first, but the flavor that's really hooking me right now in the aftertaste is this, oh, I guess, is smoky the right word? Because it's not like smoked malt smoke. It's, but it's this um, little. It's, it's sweet and it's kind of fruity a bit. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's like close to dark fruit without actually getting into the fruit area. Right. It's got a little bit of that um, that fructose flavor. Then, but I'm getting these aromatics that are kind of like really light smoke, like not smoked beer smoke, not rock beer or anything like that. But it's this little. Well, I mean, maybe there's a little bit of cigar smoke or something like that. Or there's that the alcohol is coming through. That's that's giving some sense of maybe. Um, I'm still burping raspberries. <laughs> maybe maybe ginger or, or cinnamon or something like that. I don't think they're actually in here. It's just that that's that's some of the scents you're getting from. Oh, the aroma is just that nice dark melanoidin smell like you get from a doppelbock, where it's just this sweet, dark, caramelized. Sweet. Oh, mmm. <laughs> Decocked the beer, baby. Decocked the beer. Triple decoction. So how'd the uh, Craft Beer Radio meetup go? There, we went to a Wincoop. Actually, here's something I got to rant about for our listeners. I called it Wincoop, right? We called it the beer, Wincoop Beer Drink of the Year. We get these emails. It's Winecoop. There wasn't a single Denver person I talked to all week who called it Winecoop. <laughs> so most of Denver doesn't know how to pronounce the name. <laughs> or something. So don't yell at me for calling it Wincoop when everyone in Denver does. <laughs> but anyway, we uh, met there. There were uh, one, two, three, four, five. There was like six people who came. 
So it was a small, but it was cool. I mean, got to meet two new listeners who um, you know don't email us on a regular basis, which was neat because they showed up. So it was uh, intriguing because we might have more listeners like that who listen to the show religiously but have never emailed right. us. So that's kind of cool because... I'm like, well, if there's only the people that email us regularly who, who really love the show, then, you know, where's all these other downloads going, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you can't think like that. I mean, how many podcasts do I listen to that I never, well, not many, but... Well, that, how many do I listen to? Right, right? yeah, so. that you never mention. I mean, I've I've written into, I, I talk to Rick all the time, but uh, other than that, I've written into astronomy cast once. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. So that was cool. And uh, what else can I tell about the beer fest? Um, after the Thursday night session, we went down to Falling Rock. The place was a zoo. Falling Rock is a bar in Denver, down near the uh, baseball stadium, that has the best tap selection in town. Right. So it'd be like uh, it'd be like Fatheads here, and uh, it'd be like well, more like Sharp Edge, I guess. I'd talk about the best tap selection. It's more American beer, so right. I would I would equate it more to Fatheads and the atmosphere and the decor. Okay, it's more like Fatheads, and um, I should have left the fest session a little bit early. But by the time I got there, there was a line out around the corner. It took me, I think, close to forty minutes to get in because it was Jesus. a one in one out type thing. I had no place else to go. Rick was inside, so I wanted to go hang out with Rick. Oh, once you get in. They they didn't pack the place too tight because the one in one out. So like, if you're away from the bar, there was plenty of room. But if you wanted to get a beer, you're in line. You're like trying. You're pushing your way up towards the bar for 15 minutes. It was insane. Um, so I only had a couple beers. But yeah, there was you know brewers and beer writers walking around. Had a good time networking with people. That's where we talked with Jeremy Cowan. Anybody and, that you saw from the uh, from the trip? Yeah, yeah. Tom Dahl, Tom Dahl Horf. Mm-hmm. From Celebrator, the guy with the gray hair that played the guitar, remember mm-hmm. that from the mm-hmm. Maltri- or the Hop Strip? Um, talked with him. Uh, the guy from Yale Street News that was on the Hop Trip, you know, I talked with him at the Sam Adams brunch. Oh, the Sam Adams brunch, I got to talk about that too. That was cool. Got invited to the brunch where Jim Cook announces the winners of the Longshot Homebrew Competition. And I needed to cover that for James from Basic Brewing because he wasn't able to go and he asked me to cover it. So I'm there with my microphone, I'm talking to all the four finalists. And, uh, I interview the two finalists, and I'm getting ready to interview the other two. And Jim Cook stands up and starts banging his glass. And so I don't get to talk to the two two of the finalists before the announcement. I wanted to get the anticipation. Right. The two guys I didn't talk to are the two guys who won. Oh. <laughs> so I only got to talk to them afterwards. Well, that's good because if I would have talked to the runner-up afterwards, yeah, then it would have been really down. So I got the two. I got the right two people. It's before. true. It's true. It actually worked out. And then, you know, the other two guys, they're, like, on top of the world. Like, the one guy couldn't talk to me right away. He's like, I, I need to calm down. Come back. And, you know, so I was just standing there talking with one of the Sam Adams reps. He's like, okay, I'm ready. So, I mean, it was really cool, the emotion, the excitement. The two beers that won were uh, a double IPA at 9%, hopped with, like, Amarillo Warrior, Simcoe, and Cascade. Or Amarillo that's, Warrior, Cascade, and Centennial, not Simcoe. That's a lot of... Oh, it's is, not a beer you get from Sam Adams very often. No. And actually, I asked Jim Cook about that in the interview, so he can tune in. I'm teasing again. You can tune in <laughs> to hear more about what Jim Cook thinks about double IPA coming out of Sam Adams. That's right. Well, it's not. Well, yeah. say it's not quite a tease. I mean, it's free. It's going to be available. Yeah, exactly. To you. And then the other one was a Weizenbach. The Weizenbach. Weizenbach one. Oh, it's delicious. Clovey and bananas wow. and caramel and this year's. Um, this year's long shot pack is going to kick last year's long shot out of the out of the world. Wow. I mean, it's so much better. The three employee beers are a uh, rye IPA, a uh, an orange Weiss, an orange Weissen with orange peel. So it's not a wit beer, but it's not a hefe. Right. It's not an American wheat. It's, it's somewhere in between those three, and then uh, a pale ale with grapes, a grape ale. Um. It's very subtle, but it's kind of reminiscent of what you get out of the red and white. Mm. And um, I like two of them. And the, when I tasted them at the fest, I like the rye IPA the best. When I tasted them at the brunch at breakfast time, the rye IPA was too bitter. And the Weiss beer went great with the pancakes and the eggs benedict and all that pancakes, stuff. Pancakes, pancakes. Yes. <laughs> so it depends on the time. I, I didn't vote, but if I would have voted... 
the first time, I would have voted for the IPA. If I voted the second time, I would have voted for the uh, the the Weissen. What beers are the hard luck losers? Hard luck losers was a Hellas and an IPA. Um, yeah, we didn't get to taste of those ones. Mm-hmm. They just had the the listeners describe them, and you can tune in to the post show, com- uh, the uh, GABF commentary, or basically bring radio to hear those comments. <laughs> but we got to try. Uh, they're pouring. They had all the same Adams beers on tap, every or in bottles, every single one. So you could try whatever you wanted, mm. except for Millennium. Millennium wasn't there, but they I saw had people, triple Bach too. I mean, um, maybe not triple Bach, but all the regular production good. ones. <laughs> and then I saw people walking around with snifters. Right, I'm like, so like my neck swivels around like 360 degrees. Right, like right. they're pouring Utopias. Where the hell's Utopias? So I walk up to the bar. Can I sample Utopias? Like absolutely. So I get a snifter and how much Utopia did it give you? Yeah, you know, an ounce, a little more yeah, than an ounce. Yeah, that's what I got at the, the beer. Just a, in the a snifter, it was. It had this great woody, sweet, hot smell, and like what I said was uh, when I first tasted it, going off my memory from the beer cruise a couple of years ago, it seems drier than it used to, less syrupy, and it made it very good. And I talked with Tom Dahor from Celebrator Beer News. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's less syrupy." And then I asked Jim in the interview. He's like. Absolutely, it's it's two percent higher in alcohol because we've got it attenuated a you know a higher percentage. So they even managed to get the yeast to go what twenty seven twenty seven Jesus. Yep. So the, it's but it's a delicious beer, and like I said in the pre show, in the right for the right party for the right situation, it's now worth the money at one hundred and fifty bucks a bottle. Maybe it's um, a present I could get you when your baby is born. Maybe I, I would you rather have baby stuff. No, I won't have enough baby stuff. <laughs> if you want to get me utopias? Go for it. I'll I'll make sure you're around every time I take the cap off. <laughs> so there, it's return on your investment. Yeah, there, there you I'll make sure I won't. I will not sample it unless you're around. And if it's that good, then um, it's good. Maybe it's worth it. And that's a special occasion, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a little, yeah, a utopia would fit for that. Let's see. You know it would be fun? Let's see. That's, what, 12 ounces? So you drink one every two years? Because you can recap it. <laughs> right, yeah. So have a shot. At, have an ounce every two years. See how it changes? For 24 years. <laughs> Alongside the well, barley wine. When we do the, the, the Jeff Has a Baby show. We oh, that's we're going to be wasted, that show. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one the listeners will be waiting for. Yeah. That'll be an exciting time. Hopefully we'll have you. So I think I'm about all out of all my stories for the GABF. I hope people found them interesting and not boring. I, I was interested in meaning you know, Okay. Maybe people who have who were there aren't going to be as interested, but anybody who wasn't there, like me, is nice to live vicariously through you for a little bit. Yep. So like I said, there's going to be tons of content. Five and a half hours worth of content on the show. I won't blame you if you don't listen to the whole award ceremony. But you might just get into the mood of, especially if you haven't looked at the results yet, you might get into the mood of, you know, rooting for the breweries. And when you hear, like, you know, your local brewery won something, you're, you might, like, there was a couple times I actually, like, jumped up and down. I was excited. So it was cool. Yeah, you get invested. It's like when you watch the Oscars or you watch the, the Emmys. I mean, you weren't involved in any of these things. You just mm-hmm. enjoy them, and, but you still... But it's a beer you like. You still, like, yeah, you feel just... it. You feel that that's, you know, that, that's part of it. And that's an, an interesting thing that... Um, it's an interesting emotion that you get when it's something that you like wins something or, or is up for an award. You really feel emotionally invested. Mm-hmm. Oh, they... um. Actually, if you don't listen to the whole award ceremony, you got to listen to the beginning of it. Charlie, Pizze- Charlie, Charlie Papazian does a tribute to Michael Jackson. Oh, that's cool. And it made the hairs on the back of my neck raise. Really? I mean, yeah. So, you know, I'm maybe... He wasn't doing any crazy noises like I do. He was... No, no, he wasn't going, yee or anything. But they they actually had a video company add together some uh, video clips of Michael Jackson. I got all the audio for it. Um, audio's good enough. You don't need to see the pictures. Um but actually, I, they did, had a little bit of the Conan O'Brien clip. And remember how people were saying he was drunk on that show? Uh-huh. You know, now hindsight's twenty twenty. But just watching the way he's moving, it's so obvious that he it's Parkinson's. Parkinson's yeah. But uh, just 
if people had only known, you would have gone over much better. I did but. remember when he was on Corona Brian and they asked him what's the worst beer and he said Corona. That's actually in the clip. Really? It's in the clip. Yeah. And then the owner was like, do, do we have Corona as a sponsor? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Michael's like, I won't be back. I'm like, no, you'll be back. Corona won't be back. <laughs> okay, so we're drinking the last gold medal of the beer that we had here in the uh, the CBR cellars. And this is probably going to be a treat for all of us. Or at least me, Greg, and I. <laughs> this is the Abyss from Deschutes Brewery in Bend, Oregon. This is the 2006 Reserve Aged in Oak Barrels. Okay. I think this is an Imperial style. Oh. But it'll be pretty obvious when we pour it. Yeah, that looks uh, looks dark. So we have an oaked Imperial Stout here. Ooh, look at that. Look at that head. That head is, is very dark. That's when you know it's going to be a dark Oh, beer. my God. Smell that, Greg. When that head looks brown. I mean, it looks like... Um, you know how when you cook butter for a while, it starts to turn brown? It looks like that. It smells sweet. A little bit of hoppiness on there. I'm getting a lot of cocoa chocolate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a, a chocolate maybe... Um, a bit of a it's, it's a bit bitter too in the aroma, so it's almost like coca nibs. See, I had coca nibs the other day, so now I'm expanding my vocabulary pool. Nibs, nibs are good. Speaking of coca nibs, there's also like a bunch of different beer and food pairing shows we're going to put up. Talk with Garrett Oliver pairing beer with cheese. It's great. He was talking about his favorite. He loves Stilton. It's like people who don't like Stilton are bad people. <laughs> <laughs> now, Stilton. Is very smelly, right? It's like it's. It, it was the one that we had, at least when it got to me, was like a, more or less like your blue. It wasn't too much more pungent than a normal right. blue cheese. So, but yeah, I thought Stilton was like runny and and like feet and really yeah. bad. But the one that we had when it got Fremunda to cheese. Me, <laughs> <laughs> Did you ask you about Fremunda? <laughs> no. So when it got to me, it, it was it was tasty. Oh, yeah. That's an Imperial Stout. Not getting any oak in the aroma. Are you getting any oak? A little bit. In the aroma? Yeah. Give him another sniff there. Mm-hmm. I'm getting... Now I'm getting more of the... A lot the, of alcohol, too. I'm getting less of the cocoa now and more of the the dry fr- the, the dried fruit. The raisins and the alcohol and stuff like that I'm getting in the aroma. They typically get more raisins in like a, a porter, an Imperial Porter, right? Mm. Ooh, coffee. First notes? thing I do starts mm-hmm. off with coffee, then it gets more bitter. Yeah. Roasted bitterness, not hop bitterness per se, but the hops in there help contribute to it, I'm sure. Real viscous quality to it. It feels thick. Not not dark lord thick, but mm-hmm. it feels you know, kind of uh Well, it just feels thick. And then the coffee comes back. Like a, it's like a mocha. Yeah, you get coffee, hops, bitter, alcohol, sweet coffee. Yeah, see, I'm not a coffee connoisseur, but what I'm tasting now is a sweet coffee, like a mocha. And like, I'm not a coffee mocha con- latte or something like. Yeah, that. I'm not a coffee connoisseur, so the place where I'm getting my flavor connotation is is from one of the starbucks frappuccino mocha flavors (laughs) okay so that's the kind of coffee flavor that i'm tasting here and if i drank more coffee i could give you oh yeah the coffee is big at the end i give you a more less mcdonald's type description but i mean i'm thinking of the mochaccino or now i mean now it tastes like espresso i mean that that's how coffee I, I, i had it down for a little bit the lingering flavor that i get is an espresso flavor that is delicious yeah, that is fan freaking tastic. Oh man, I agree one hundred percent. Now, think of this side by side with the Dark Lord. Well, the Dark Lord, this is more drinkable, I think. Yeah, but the Dark Lord is so unique in yeah. its. I mean, just its texture, <laughs> the chunks of yeah. whatever that's in there. Just the fact that I mean, you know, you've heard about drinking motor oil. Well, you've never drank motor oil until you've had a Dark Lord, or you've actually. Physically drink motor oil. Uh, I mean, because there was, I mean, that felt. We talk about how the, this one is viscous. I mean, that was sludge. That mm-hmm. was that had an actual like meniscus on it. I mean, it was it was when you poured the like 
when your glass was empty and you poured it, it actually crawled up the glass. It didn't run like a liquid. It crawled <laughs> like a salt, like a uh, a gel or something. It was. Know? It was kind of like I mean, just barely a gel. It was um, actually thinking about it. This is jet black. The Dark Lord had more solids in suspension that reflected light, so it was more of a brown. It was more like a milk chocolate type color. Maybe it's been a while. I don't remember what it looked like. But this one just so this is the abyss. Look at that. It's soaking up every <laughs> photon that goes into it. <laughs> this Great. is a good finish to the gold medal show. Yes. Wow. I, mean, I knew this was good. We received this. We gotta give props. Brian Brian Greenwood sent us the abyss from Desch- from Deschutes. Our pre show beer didn't win a gold medal, did it? No. No, the pre show beer was uh I didn't stop at the, um, I was considering stopping at the New Belgium Brew Pub at the Denver Airport on my way out, but I was flying southwest, and I had a B gate, a B boarding pass, oh, right, right, right. so I had to get in line early to get an aisle seat, so I skipped the, I wanted to see if New Belgium's uh, airport pub had improved at all since last time. <laughs> Who cares about that? This abyss is... And freaking tastic, as Greg said. It's really delicious and uh, highly recommended. And a gold medal winner. And uh, probably a wild beer. When we make our list at the end of the year, this is on it. This is on it. This is is top five easy and maybe top two, maybe somewhere in there. This is is in the top ten at least, I think. This This is a wild beer. I'm not really... You know, like when people oak beers, I think they go over the top often. This one, I'm not sure if I'm even really... Picking it up. Now, if I had them side by side, oaked abyss and unoaked abyss recipe, I'd probably say, you oh, probably yeah. could tell, but it, maybe it tastes a little bit less dimensional or something like that. I love that when, when a brewer is not afraid to infuse something with flavor, but make it really subtle. Make it subtle enough that it's not the thing that's jumping out at you. Remember when we talked with Julia? We asked her what brewers are doing something exciting, and she said Maui Brewing. Remember she said the coconut porter? Uh-huh. I tried the coconut porter, Greg. Fan freaking tastic! <laughs> you would think coconut porter is a. When you hear the name, you think a gimmick beer. You think mm-hmm. like a, a raspberry this or a whatever. The coconut is so subtle and so complimentary to the beer. Wow! Like like I there's an interview with the brewer at Maui Brewing Company and the GABF coverage, and like he says, he brewed a robust porter and put the coconut in the complement. He didn't put the coconut in is the headliner of right. the thing. He's it's the supporting act, if you will. And they also did an American wheat with pineapple, Maui gold pineapple, huh. which is apparently a very special kind of pineapple you know, to us uh, right. mainlanders. Um, it's all pineapple to me. But it, it was very interesting because when you drink it, it tastes like a wheat beer. It's good. You don't get the pineapple until like 20 seconds after you're done drinking it. And then you get this just pineapple flavor just fills your mouth. It's it, it, the, some of the best... Uh, God, we got to get some. Some of the best fruited beers, I guess. That I've, I mean, because they're so subtle. They just play well. It's like how I mentioned, uh, maybe it was in the pre-show or the main show, but how the Oaked Gordon was so complimentary. Because it just, they belonged. There was just such a harmony there. Huh. And um, I had some really good beers this week, Greg. I just, oh, I can't believe it's over. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an experience. So, okay, let's rank. All right. So I'm going to put, and I bet you Greg and I have very similar rankings. I'm going to, that's a tough one to figure out. <laughs> um, so last place, I'm going to have to put, I'm going to put the Silas Grand Crew last. Oh, okay. Because it was old. Mm-hmm. Um, fresh, I would have moved it up one spot. Some you know we say it's about the beer in the glass, and today the, because of my fault, the beer in the glass was old. I'm gonna put the cellos behind the line of Kugels. The line of Kugels was very sweet, very fruity. but it was drinkable. I didn't have to struggle to finish it. It's true. It is true. Okay, and so that's a sign that it's a decent fruit beer, and there was no, f- it wasn't old or flawed. So I'm gonna have to put it in front of the cellos. Then I'm gonna put the Sly Fox. Because it's a, it's a great pilsner. If you're in Pennsylvania and you haven't tried a beer in a can, this is a gold medal winner. 
you need to go get the pikeland pills from sly fox and put aside your canned prejudices oh would i what i'll put the troganator no let's put the troganator in front of the sly fox or behind crap it's up to you I'm not going to say what my list is. Man, this is tough. I might bump the tr- the Sly Fox up one. They're so close. They're so close. Yeah, I'm going to have to bump the Sly Fox. I'm going to promote the Sly Fox. You're making the right decision. Troganator is going to be the third beer, just by the slightest fractions. I love it as a Doppelbock, but comparing just beer to beer, that crisp, refreshing Pilsner, I think, beats out the Doppelbock. And then number one... The Abyss. Yeah. We said it's a wild beer. It's uh, almost it's, cheating, isn't it? Because it's an imperial stout. It's high alcohol. It's got so much flavor and such. It's almost like it's cheating when you compare it to other beers. They all won gold medals, man. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> this is why it's there's true. no best in show at the Great American yeah. Beer Fest, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> the, the uh, Hellas and the Dortmunder would never, ever win. Um, my my rankings are essentially the same. I might switch the... the the Celis and the Line of Kugels. Just because the Line of Kugels just... I mean, it didn't really fascinate me all that much. It's a, It's got a lot of berries in it. That, you know, it, you get the taste of berries in a beer. It doesn't... It doesn't really... That doesn't really interest me that much. The Celis Grand Crew would have been higher, maybe, if it was not old and a little bit oxidized. It's got some good. St- I mean, there's, there's some good flavors in here. It really is a delicious beer. When if it's it fresh. was, if it was fresh, how high do you think it would go? Would it go past the Trogues? It would go past the Trogues, and that's okay. about it. Uh, the Troganator is next. You know, I like Doppelbox. They're nice and malty. To stand up to a to a really excellent Pilsner, though, that's got to be a that's a tall order, in my book. And the Sly Fox is a really excellent pilsner, and to me, it's head and shoulders about Troganator. Just because, I mean, that that citrus flavor is delicious. The 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 prickly carbonation. I, I don't know. I found the Trogs very engaging today. I it mean, was it's very getting, good. It's getting colder out. It's it's kind of going from this season to this se- from the pilsner season to the Doppelbox season. No, it, it's true. I mean, it, the Trogs is very good. I don't I don't want to. to to poo poo no, the I mean, that's fine. I mean, I understand the pike. I put pikeland ahead too, but for me, it was a razor thin yeah, margin. It was for a little use. bit larger margin for me because I mean that that pilsner, the perfect way to really start off. Um, well, I mean, we didn't necessarily start off with it, but the perfect way to start the show is with the pilsner. Really refreshing, mm-hmm. really just a, a delicious pilsner. Really just drinkable. Totally, exactly what a pilsner should be: drinkable, flavorful, uh, quality beer. I mean, just you know, right on the money. Uh, then the abyss, which, like I said, it's like it's cheating. I mean, it's it's got so much to go with. Oh, Gage Imperial style. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you put it up against this competition, and it's like it's cheating. But you know, hey, cheat your way to the top is one way to win, right? Yeah, the abyss wins. I mean, compared to a lot of the Imperial stuff, I, I mean, that was better than the ten fifty that I had mm-hmm. just last week. Before that, I can't. But like I said, I was proud. I, I was probably legal to drive. The entire time after Wednesday night. Very good. I can't believe I was at the Great American Beer Fest. But when you got a microphone and you got to record content for your great listeners, you don't have time to drink as much beer. It's true. I probably drank about 30 beers Thursday night. Saturday afternoon, I probably had five beers. Wow. And Saturday night, I might have had about 15 to 20 samples. Well, cheers. Cheers. Hope you like the show. Hope you like me recounting my fest. Uh I wasn't trying to brag, I'm honest, but man, if you guys have the opportunity, go to the Great American Beer Fest. And if you need help, you know, planning the off session hours, I'm hardly an expert, but I know a couple of the places now. So if you need help planning your off session hours, send me an email. I'll give you as much advice as I can. After, you know, another five years, I'll probably be a pro at it. Right. But, you know, I, I I think I scheduled my time pretty well, but it took a lot of work to figure things out. It's a great time. Everybody should go. Thanks for listening to Craft Beer Radio. Tune in next week where we have our uh, 93rd episode spectacular. <laughs> Hope I didn't build that up too much.
That's all for Craft Beer Radio. Send us an email at beer at craftbeerradio.com or check out our website, craftbeerradio.com, for forums and more information. Our music, opening and closing, were Out of Towners by the band St. Dragon, available from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is licensed under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Party on, everybody. Play.